Okay, this is for <coughs> the Parsha of Kisisa. We're going to do the entire mimer. We're starting on uh, page Pei Hey Amid Beis. Here we go. Begin with a quote from the Pasek. My left hand is under my head, and my right hand I embrace you. Now, in the idea of the worlds, we find also with Hashem and his relationship to the Jewish people, the nation that is closest to him. That is, that when Hashem is provoked into the level of being sort of of the left hand, that which pushes away because of the behavior of the people. So he will be ultimately to their rescuer. And ultimately the ultimate point is that it will uplift their heads. Like it says, the left hand, which represents a form of distance and separation and discipline is under the head that is its design, not just to be punitive, rather to uplift the head. And this is like our Parsha that says that when you lift up the heads of the Jewish people for their numbers, that through the pekida, which in context means their count, but also can mean the instruction, that is that they are somehow being counted, like we would say, counts against them in a negative sense. Like our sages say, whenever there's a pekida, there's something that we are counting or taking note of. It's usually associated, it's always associated with something that is a derivative of the sin of the golden calf. Now, in this manner, we're going to find something that turns out to be counterintuitive. It's going to uplift the head of the Jewish people because the left side, which pushes away, is not a banishment, God forbid. It is to lead to the right hand bringing close. And this is what it means that the right hand has come close for I have fallen and you will not be taken away. So what does this mean in the service of Hashem? Now, we have a Pusik that describes, remember, when Yaakov disguises himself as Esau, that his father says, it is the kol kol Yaakov. It uses that word twice, but one time it's spelled with a vav and one time without a vav. Because there are two voices that come forward from the Jewish people. There's the voice of Torah and the voice of Davin. Now, in some contexts, we describe Torah study as being the ultimate. And other times we speak about the wondrous virtue of davening, that it parallels the sacrifices and so on. And both of them, of course, are true. It's not a competition. There is a distinction because tefillah is how we elevate ourselves from below to above. And Torah is the way that we bring God down into this world. Meaning, this idea that davening, it, uh, the, the concept of davening, includes also the fulfillment of mitzvahs, kriyashma, yahafta, and so on. And similarly, all of davening is set up before uh, the Shema, um, in order that we accept upon ourselves with the Shema, and then we devote ourselves with the love, as we will explain. Now, the method to which a person comes to love is like it says, I place before you on this day life and good and death and evil. Choose life. What is choose life? To love Hashem, for Hashem is your life. That everything in this physical world has, of course, its spiritual component and its material component. And the spiritual godly component is its virtue and its good. And the Gashmias is all that expires and therefore is associated with that, which is evil or the sense of being void of godliness and dead. From whence we see that when a person has something of the Gashmias, everything ultimately of its physical is subservient to its spiritual. It's not the physical object. It's the purpose that we use it for. That's what gives it existence. So to within a person, his body is not his primary existence. It rather is subservient and a tool for his spiritual existence. And that's why a person intuitively loves his spiritual existence excessively. So too, even more so. Should a person love Hashem? When he thinks through his power of intellect, and he sees evidently that Hashem is the source of his life, and he wants to be alive. So therefore, he has an attraction and a desire and a love for Hashem. 
And this is why we say that all the hosts of the heavens bow down to you. Like our sages describe that the sun sets in the West, <clears throat> illustrating that it is subservient and bowing down to its master, to Hashem. And so to all of the constellations that we see that they too are sustained and nourished by their source of existence. And this is why Hashem says, you can see that I place it before you. This is what a person can see with his physical eyes. He sees the life force. He sees how everything, all the hosts of the heavens bow down before Hashem. He sees how it results in loving Hashem, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul. Even your Yetzirah should become subsumed to the service of Hashem. Like our sages say, put aside your will for his will. Because this love results in a visual experience that's incomparable. There's nothing that you can find in the Gashmius world. Like we say, who can compare to it? Who is like it? Who is comparable to it? And this vision has to be eternal and constant. And a person who doesn't make this effort to constantly see godliness is considered like the fool who stumbles around in darkness. Whereas the wise person, his eyes are in his head, that he is constantly focused on his life force, and that which gives him existence, which of course is the infinite light of Hashem. And in this manner, there will be the love of Hashem embedded within his heart constantly. And his soul will be continuously bound up in this immeasurable connection with Hashem for all times. And this is why the verse says that the power of tshuva is constant and continuous uh, regarding one who violates his covenant. For the covenant with Hashem is about our connection with Hashem. And in holiness, that is about the essential root of our connection with Hashem. And God forbid, if we act in the way that is opposite to this, and instead we become bonded with the impulses of the physical world and the pleasures of the human being, we have to be able to transform it from one extreme to the other and to reattach ourselves to the origin and source of Hashem from whence our existence comes, the living and existing God that quality of the covenant that absolutely connects and draws down the life force from the abstract, which is referred to as the soiviv kolamid, that it should penetrate into the immediate, the mamali so that our soul and our life force and our spirit of all flesh of every person should be truly connected and continuously connected with Hashem continuously and constantly. And not satisfied by the fact that he arouses it during davening and so forth. And then easy come, easy go. Like we say, Hashem is close to those who cry out to him. And those who cry out to him with truth, and the lips of truth are forever, which is not the case with that which is temporary and passing. Next paragraph on Pei Vav Now, this visual experience that results in this love is drawn to the Jewish people from above. Like it says that Hashem is upon them and they will see and they will cry out like the shooting arrow. And this is that which is drawn down and radiates and comes to the Jewish people to be upon them. This fear of Hashem that lives within the light of God, the source of all life and the visual experience that he has attached regarding which we have established the process before we make the actual declaration of the Shema. We have all of the morning brachas and so forth that we declare that Hashem should radiate light to us that we should be empowered to accept upon ourselves the Kriyashma, the mitzvah of loving Hashem truly, that Hashem is our God, like our sages say, that the Jewish people are greater than the angels. They wait for the Jewish people to declare Kadosh down here. Now, this seems unusual. How could it be that there is a virtue to the human being down here in this physical world when he's invested in the physical body? 
uh, people have at least things that are relative to their stature, inappropriate and foreign and so on. No matter how great they are, greater people, greater, lesser people, lesser, lesser. And the angels, of course, stand in con- continuous and non-differentiated detachment from materialism. Everything they do is with reverence and awe. Uh, from the six days of creation without separation. So how could the angels be awaiting us? Next paragraph. However, the angels will not say Kadosh of their own volition, only because of that which is granted to them from this expression of godliness, that relative to the godly light has no real stature. It is only something that is gifted to them. It is only like an instruction that uh, they can't contain themselves. And that's why it says, by Hagar, that she cried out in the name of Hashem, who spoke to her. This is the Malach that spoke with her. And the Malachim who came to Avram, it says, we will return. Yes, we will return to you. That is, in the agency of Hashem, they said this. As if they're saying that Hashem himself, because they have no innate stature, they have no innate authority that they can make a decision or speak. They simply are the tools that Hashem dispatches. And this expression, this that is drawn down, the and the comes through an orderly process, like we say, one cries to the other and says, Kadosh, and then we translate it, they receive from one another, and they they cry out to those who are giving to them, and they say that this gift for them, like it says uh, uh, in the Targum, regarding the recipient, that they are referred to as the feminine. Now, since this uh, statue, it's not Shaykh to be a reference to Hashem, because he is, of course, detached and separated out that suggests that somehow there's something sort of separate or different, um, but he's just lofty. And of course, in truth, they say, Aye, where is the place of God's glory? Like we've explained in other places. Till it's brought down to them here through the Jewish people, who are souls in a body. Uh, that is something apparently separate. And it is, uh, by itself, it conceals and it hides the sanctity of godliness. And through this, uh, innovation from us, our Sata, that we will put aside our humanity for our spirituality, for the source of our light, in which God has revealed to us down here. And we say, Baruch Atta, blessed are you connecting, that is from the physical body, where we can say that Hashem is connected to us. He appears to be separate and so forth. And therefore, the Malachim also say that he is separate because the Malachim, in that sense, play off of our response that this gift that is brought to us down here passes through the Malachim, their thrice declaration of Kadosh, which parallels the three processes of Tzimtzum that are brought down here into this physical world until we can describe Hashem as the Lord of hosts, Hashem Tzavakais, that in each one of them there's another level of Tzimtzum, another level of separation. Now regarding this expression that is brought down to the Jewish people, that we, within our physical body, should be bottled to Hashem, there is a certain superiority over the light and life force that is expressed in the Malachim, like the greater light that comes from darkness, that it has a greater light and a greater joy that the physical body, which is naturally antagonistic to godliness, becomes aligned with godliness. And that's why we say Hashem is Elokeinu, our God. He's like ours, just like a person is proud of that which is his, his hand and his foot, and he's not proud of somebody else's hand or foot. 
even though that guy's hand might be better, might be more dexterous, might be stronger, but it's not mine. So too, this divine light that is brought to the world that is may only be comparable to the insensitivity of the foot, but the fact is that I bring it down into my existence through my intellect. This makes it mine, like Hashem is Elokeinu. Like we say, you are children to Hashem, your God. And like a child is the extension of the lap of his father. That just like the foot of a person is one with the person, even though it's quote unquote uh, less sensitive than his mind. And therefore, our sages say that we should put aside our will for his will. That is, that we should be like a foot, like a foot soldier, like say in English, to Hashem, to be completely surrendered to him, just like the foot is surrendered to the intellect, whatever the person wants, his foot follows suit. It has no independent desire. And this is why we say every morning in the brachas, we thank Hashem for granting the rooster, the intellect to distinguish between day and night. Because this stimulus for the level of love and reverence that comes to a person is not innate. It comes in from above through that level of, quote, the spiritual rooster, where there is a distinction between day and night. That is between chesed, day, light, and gevura, night or darkness. Through drawing down bina, like we described, the rooster is having bina. Similarly, all the other brachas and all the other davenics that we think about and we contemplate on what will be found. In order to draw down this love, that it should come from above, we first have to crush, of course, not physically, the body, and to subdue it, and to be sort of annoyed at all of that impulse. Why do I always want this? And so on. We're in the left-hand column. In the middle of that first paragraph, like the Pusik says, God is close to those who are of a broken heart and a crushed spirit he will rescue. Like it says, the sacrifice to God is a broken spirit, that in order for there to be this quality of Havaya, the aloof aspect of godliness, to be Elohim Shalanu, our God, we have to first come close to Hashem. How? By overcoming our human impulses. And all of this is described as the stimulus from down here, from below to above. And this is primarily the concept of tefillah, the union of Torah, which is to draw godness down to this world, in all of our very soul, that is to draw it down, to spread it out in our soul, in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. And that's referred to as the initiation from above, that through this we arouse this quality of chafna and wisdom, not a knowable chafna, but that which Torah makes knowable to us, God's wisdom, that becomes embedded in material things. And this is the, the value of reading the words of Torah. Next paragraph. We then say, all of your everything. This is the idea of tshuva. For tshuva is so great that it brings the gerula. What do we mean? Everything, abundance, more than what we would ordinarily be able to measure. When we say we love Hashem with all our heart and all our soul. This is drawn down from this revelation of godliness that lives here in this physical world where we ordinarily only get a little glimpse. Like it says, it went out like a shooting uh, lightning, that it's only one quick thought. Uh, just like a person has one thought, and relative to his capacity to thought, it has no stature, because a person can think and think forever, and having a thought does not detract from his capacity for thought. Similarly, one thought has no stature relative to the very essence of his existence. For God existed before he created the world, and after he created the world, I am Hashem, I do not change. All of the world, all of the future world, the lower Ghanaian, the higher Ghanaian, the times of Mashiach, the times of the coming to life of the dead have no stature. They don't, they don't account for a distinctive moment. 
This is the service of the spark of the neshama that is invested within a physical body. For not every neshama can be invested within the physical body. Only that little spark from whence uh, it is that source that remains above, that still hovers around him, makit. And that source that is brought down here into this physical world, which may be as insensitive as a foot, relative to the lofty and more spiritual concepts alluded to by the concept of the head. When we say, all your everything, this is when we serve Hashem with the essence of our neshama, with our head, not just with our obedience, with a total putting aside of self, a total bitl, to pour out to our, our Father who art in heaven, because of the very essence and existence of who we are, where there is no limitation. It's not something that we could achieve. It's not something we can describe as filling the world or surrounding the world. It's not uh, categorizable at all. Next paragraph. Now, if a person merits to have this overflowing and intense love, this is like the person who was described as the master of tshuva. That's just the way we use it colloquially. That is that he has completely transformed himself from being in a dry and arid place. And he cries out to Hashem. And this reveals this intense love that he should have total surrender to Hashem. And this is why Paro came close. And we say that he brought close the Jewish people to their father in heaven. And that's why this level is called ma'oid. Like when it says toy, this is a, light, a reference to the angel of life. But on the Friday of creation, when it said toy ma'oid, this includes the angel of death. Why the angel of death? Because the awareness of, God forbid, consequence will increase multiple fold our passion and love for Hashem that should have no end. Bottom paragraph. And this is why we say that the left hand is under the head, that through the level of the left hand that pushes away, that it will ultimately lead to a lifting up of the head. And this is the this is similar to the idea, it's explained in Tanya, of the virtue of gold over silver. That this quality that a person will ultimately come to the right hand of embracing, that the right hand is a reference to Torah Mitzvah, the level of chesed, the level of water that comes from a lofty place and is brought down here. And it supports the person like you hold a person up by hugging him, you don't let him fall. Similarly, Torah and Mitzvahs come down here, even though what we get of them is only a very shallow illustration of God's idea. They become invested in physical matter to seize the person so he should not fall. Like he turns to uh, after davening to go do his work, and he's going to now have to avoid all the difficulties of that life throws at him, and he has now been uh, knocked down from that lofty place where he was speaking only about the Kabbalah soul of Hashem, and he was speaking about Tefillin, and he was at such a lofty level, and he was davening and Chesed and Gevura, and he spoke about in the first paragraph of the Shema where it says you should dedicate all the firstborns, which is. A rem as it alludes to the quality of chach. And the second paragraph of the Shema, which speaks about when your children will ask you, what is this? Which is about the his bindiness that we are able to analyze how we're going to refer, refer to this. And the third paragraph of the Shema, which speaks about the love of Hashem. And the fourth paragraph of the Tefillin, which is the second paragraph of the Shema, we speak about obedience. And we're going to turn away from all of that and go out, you know, out into the physical world. And this is what it means that Harsinai was filled with smoke. Because the fire of Hashem came down into the physical world, just like Sinai is a reference to bringing down the enmity of the idolaters, which is the the evil that needs to be brought down, that I hate them with the absolute hatred. And this has to be brought down here into this physical world, like God came down into Harsinai to bring that passion from the davening out into the physical world so that it should set it, quote, on fire and should be the smoke 
like a mountain that is melting like wax before the love of Hashem. And this is true with all mitzvahs, both the mitzvahs of avoiding evil as well as the pursuit of good, and ultimately of tzedakah. The tzedakah uplifts a nation, that they should be attached and never separated, and they should be like face-to-face, like it says, that God will shine his face upon us. And this is what it means, that they will grant each man the atonement for his soul when you will account them. That is, that when you will account them, when they will recognize that there's something deficient, like we referenced earlier, in the mind, that accounting suggests that we find the flaws, then there will be a correction through tzedakah, which will once again attach them with Hashem. This then concludes that mimer. And now we're on Daf Pevav Amid Beis. And there's a, one more mimer on the right hand side. And it begins with the Dibber Amaskil. This should be given to all those who pass through to be counted a half shekel of the holy shekel, 20 geira of the shekel, half a shekel as an uplifted offering in Truma to Hashem. Now the Pusik says, Her husband is known at the gates. That that's from the end of Mishnah. That Hashem, who is the mass, the husband of every Nisham of the Jewish people, that is, he gives to everyone, that all love or fear that is within the Nisham of the Jewish people, it all comes from Hashem. And therefore, each one is granted it according to their gate, the way in which they are able to. The, that there are four gates, this love of Hashem, fear of Hashem, Torah mitzvahs. And these parallel the four letters of Hashem's name, Yudkevav. So to understand how this all comes from Hashem and what is the choice then of a person. So there is certainly something that we can do if it's all given to us from Hashem. So what does it mean that it's dependent on our choice and what comes from above? So we know, of course, the essential pasuk of our faith is Shema Yisrael Hashem Alkein Hashem Echad. And you should love Hashem. Now, Vyahafta has two interpretations. One is it's an instruction. You should love Him. And the other is that it's a guarantee. You will ultimately come to love Him. The first one is that it's the product of our analysis. That is when we will understand the unity of Hashem in the seven heavens and the four worlds. And I am Hashem. I do not change. There is no change before creation of the world. So too am I now after the world. Everything is completely surrendered to Hashem. Because it's all like the sun and the screen. Even though the world appears to have its own identity, we know it all comes from Hashem and it is all sustained by Hashem. And we can see that by even seeing ourselves. That we will think about something, we will be completely unified with it without any separation. And then when we speak it, it becomes separated from us. So to all the worlds before they were created. They're absolutely one with Hashem, like a thought that's embedded deeply within me. And that spoken word is does not detract from my capacity to think about on my capacity to speak. For every moment, I could be thinking all kinds of things. And so too in all the worlds, every word that I speak comes from my wisdom. Like it says, it comes forward. And every day it's renewed. And even after it's been created, Hashem is continuously sustaining it because nothing can exist outside of him. Like it says in Tanya in chapter 21. And that's why when all matter is brought closer and closer to Hashem, we see it has no substance. And the worlds themselves are completely separated from Hashem. And this that is above is called speech. And that which is below is called the world. It's the same idea of thought that is completely unified with the person and the speech is still completely unified with them. That is when the teacher teaches to the student, he expresses it entirely top of the next column. This is why it says that no thought can truly grasp Hashem. Even the loftiest worlds, they are a thought, but they are completely surrendered to the essence of Hashem. And therefore, no thought of ours, no matter how lofty it is, can grasp Hashem's thought. And this is why it's considered hidden, even from the worlds that are considered hidden relative to our capacity to grasp. And that's why no thought can grasp, regarding which we say this instruction, Shalom Hashem, your God, 
that we should contemplate. This oneness that it should be Hashem should be your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your everything. Machshava dibor maisa that there should be no machshava dibor maisa separated. It should all be completely surrendered to Hashem, completely above any thought because no thought can grasp Him, because a person cannot grasp, uh, 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 cannot think. Sorry of a physical thing. We can't say he grasps it, a physical thing with his thought. That would be false. And so too, the only way that we can become fully close with Hashem is with Mesir HaSnafesh, as indicated by the quote, B'chol nafshech, all your very being. Because the person's nafshech is with his thought capacity, his speech capacity, and his deed capacity. And it is all completely surrendered to Hashem and completely buckled. But since it's impossible for there to be thought, um, to, to be no thought at all, and therefore we have to attach our thoughts and our words and our deeds, that they should be a totally sub, submissive chariot to, to Hashem and His Torah mitzvahs that come from wisdom, that come from chachma, which is higher than machshava. And that's why when a person does a mitzvah properly, and even though Torah is invested in physical things, prohib, prohibited things, permitted things, and so on, and mitzvahs, tzedakahs with money, and it's it's so shallow relative to the intense godliness. It's like the hair that comes out of the person's head compared to his brain. So too, Torah and mitzvahs, even though they're physical things, they come forward from Torah. And this is obligatory upon everybody to contemplate deeply. And this is what's linked to his choice. The second interpretation that the Ahavta is a guarantee that it will absolutely come to a person, this gift of abundant love that comes from above. And this is why in Shema we say Shmir, you'll understand it. Because there cannot be something that will come as a product without any hisbainus, even if it's higher than analysis. And this is why it's called the holy shekel, the holy weight from silver, silver kesef, from the concept of a total longing, a love, overwhelming love level of love that comes from above, something immeasurable in the characteristic of doing good and avoiding evil. And it has to be in absolute uh, uh, tangibility, like it's described as being ready for exchange. Which is a reference to the purchase of the cave of Machbela when Avram paid Ephraim 400 coins, cash on the barrel. That is, it was right there. From the phrase for Sachor HaSavit. And the 400 coins that Avram paid, connecting that concept of, again, Shekel, the 400 coins, is a reference to the 400 worlds of a total surrender for Hashem. And then these shekels are further broken down that they have to be the weight of 20 geiris, because each of these levels of love is, is includes 10, the 10 of the, of the intellect and the midas, Chabad, Chagas, Nehim, the three of the intellect, the seven of the character. And there's two. There's the love that it's the product of our resbaneness, of our analysis, and then there's the love that is the guarantee. So that's why you get 20. Like we know, regarding this abundant love that comes from above is also a product of the 10, the three of the intellect and the seven of the character. And that's why they have to be 20 geira, uh, 20 measures. And this is why it says, you should lift up the heads of the Jewish people to their count. That is, to the neshamas that are called the heads of their counts from the phrase that Hashem pakad, same word, in this context, though, it's talking about Hashem remembered Sarah, and that's when she became pregnant with Yitzchak. And each one should give a koifer, atonement for his soul. That is, that not everybody can come to this level of abundant love. To be all 20 characteristics is alluded to by the 20 game. 
However, this first level of love, which is the product of contemplation, is obligatory on everybody. That is the half shekel, to completely surrender himself, which is the 10, that is, of the, the, the self-starter that comes from contemplation. This is why it says everybody has to uh, contribute to all those who are accounted. And again, the word pekudi, meaning counts, is also rel- related to the 248 instructions, like our marching orders. That is, even if a person violated a mitzvah, he still has to give the half shekel. That is, he still has to give the 10 that he can give. What is that? That's the first 10, the 10 characteristics, three of the intellect, seven of the character that he develops through intellect. That's his half shekel. And that concludes the mind. Thank you.